Okay, if you're frustrated with TCU baseball this year, that's understandable. We're going to talk to Jacob Davis from KTCU. He's going to give us a lowdown, and he'll answer the question, can the Frogs turn this around? Can they make a run? We'll talk about that next on Lockdown Hard Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also find us wherever it is you get your podcast. It's Locked On Horn Frogs. Sitting next to me is Jacob Davis from KTCU. Um, if you listen to The Choice, which I would encourage you to do that. I am a alum of The Choice. My good friend Jeff Craig, who is now kind of like Jacob's boss, um, he's up there running the thing. And local radio, college radio is very important. They broadcast the TCU baseball games. And so Jacob does a little pre and post game, um, setting up Chuck Lamondola to, you know, give you the broadcast each and every night. And so I brought him in today because I haven't done a ton of like standalone baseball content. And I want to talk about this team, even though I know many of you are, are kind of frustrated with how the season's going. So Jacob, first off, let's look at pitching and we'll talk short term and long term because I have kind of a big picture question for you, but I want to start with what's going on in the moment. And this year started with a rotation of Ryan Vanderhei, transfer from Kansas, uh, Cam Brown, who we all know, like homegrown product. And then I think like Steven Stroutenberg started that Mizzou game on Sunday. And then they kind of tinker with Luke Savage. Anyway, now we're at a point where we'll, we'll start with the positive first. Cole Klecker and Luis Rodriguez have kind of established themselves. Klecker's done it for most of the year, Rodriguez the last few weeks. As the the one and two guys, I know Kirk Sarlu said earlier this week, he thinks they've earned the right to be that moving forward. What do you like about those two young arms specifically? Because they are the bright spot right now in this uh, in this weekend rotation. Yeah, they they absolutely are. And for Lewis, like he's a little newer. He was a high leverage reliever for a lot of the beginning of mm -hmm. the year. I think he was slated to start, but he he got an injury uh, early on in like spring camp and. They brought him in in relief, uh, but let's start with Cole Klecker because, I mean, he's been so impressive all year. Uh, yeah. Both these guys, by the way, freshmen, and that's right. what's amazing. Uh, you talked about, you know, so, some of the bright spots here, and and definitely these two are. Cole Klecker, um, when Cam Brown struggled against Arkansas early on, he came in, kind of righted the ship, only allowed run, one run, three hits, fanned six, and uh, that was the most strikeouts he's had all year. and. That's what him and, and Lewis do. They throw strikes, they attack batters, and just get dudes out. Like um, mm -hmm. with Cam and, and Vanderheim, we can get into them a little bit later, but they got the stuff, but they don't have the command that Klecker right. and Vanderheim, or uh, sorry, Klecker and, and Rodriguez have had all season. Yeah. And so with, with those two guys you mentioned, Ryan Vanderheim and Cam Brown, I, I don't want to sound harsh, but I remember when Ryan came in and I started to hear the the whispers of like, this is your Friday night starter. And I thought, wait, the dude from Kansas that had an ERA of like six plus last season. I thought that was strange. Now I will say you talked about the stuff. We're talking about a dude with a mid nineties fastball, some good secondary pitches. 
both these guys have kind of worked themselves out of the rotation. Uh, but I think we can agree if, if they're going to make any sort of run, they need to be a factor. So for both pitchers, um, what kind of role do you see for them moving forward? I know they've been using Vander High, the bullpen some. And, I mean, do you think either of them can be effective kind of down the stretch here as they move into different roles? Yeah, so I think Vanderhei can be effective out of the bullpen because he did that at Kansas. He had one mm -hmm. year where he's it, like, I remember the first game of the season. We were looking like, yeah, his ERA is six. What are we doing here? And, you know, that that's kind of just been the case all year. He he could go, you know, four innings and then kind of gets into trouble or, um, you know, but his last couple of outings have been relief outings, went two innings at Dallas Baptist, one hit, great job. And then last night uh, against UT Rio Grande Valley, he threw, he pitched in two innings. He had one great inning and then he got into a little trouble, gave up a solo shot, um, started, let's see. I, yeah. He walked a couple of guys um, and then, yeah, like obviously TCU won the game handily uh, with a, a nice little walk off in the seventh, but uh, he got into a little trouble and and that's something that's happened with TCU all years getting into trouble against the the sort of mid-major midweek games and right. not taking care of business there and so for Vanderhei I think he'll definitely come out of the pin for the rest of the year Cam Brown on the other hand he has not seen action since West Virginia on April 23rd mm -hmm. where he blew that game it, it was almost a run rule game and then TCU came clawing back and Cam Brown came in in the seventh, let three guys on like immediately three walks and coach took him out. And uh, West Virginia obviously ended up getting uh, uh, getting all those runs in. I can't remember if it was a home run or not, but they got all yeah. those guys in, won the game handily. It was like 17 to seven. Mm -hmm. And we have not seen Cam Brown since then. And I, I'm sure we will at some point, but you know, I, I think coach trusts Vanderheye a little bit more than Cam, even though both are a little bit wild. Um, Vanderheye has been staying in the zone a little bit more and had a little more efficiency in his uh, few relief outings that he's had. So last season, um, Austin Krobe goes down. They had some changes, had some mix up in the rotation. Like Marcelo Perez comes in and kind of saves the day. The year before that, uh, Johnny Ray, sort of a Cam Brown thing, like just couldn't – got to the point where he could not get out. Uh, Chuck Smith comes in and saves the day. They have two open spots in this rotation. And, like, at the moment, Jacob, like, I don't know who – I mean, I know they've kind of tinkered with Chase Hoover there. Um, Jax Traeger is an interesting name to me, but it was like he pitched well against Florida State. We didn't see him forever. He came back in that run rule game against West Virginia. I uh, and Braden Sloan has had his struggles on Tuesdays. Is there any body like? Is there any name that you're like they should give this guy an opportunity? I know uh, Stroutenberg got a chance against Texas, but they need at least three starters. You'd prefer to have four if you're going to go in the postseason. And there's a couple open spots here now. Yeah. So the two names that jump out to me. Obviously, Luke Savage um, mm -hmm. was also slayed to start at the beginning of the year, but got some injury issues again um you know he he pitched against Vanderbilt uh he had a tough game against Florida State and then he's just kind of been on and off missed most of March uh he's been pretty decent in April 
so we'll see how he's looking going forward. So he is an option, of course. And then the other one's Ben Abelt, and he got his first start against uh, West Virginia. That was on the Sunday. Um, he oh, ended yeah, up, right. yeah. yeah, he ended up giving up five runs in that appearance. But mm-hmm. like Lewis, he's been coming in in high leverage relief spots, pitching really well. He can give two to three innings out of the pen. And so I'm wondering if what coach might be going for is get guys that could turn over the lineup one, two times, and then just start throwing bullpen arms at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, you're, you're right in that the starting pitching has, has been really tough all year. There hasn't been the consistency that we want. And Braden Sloan did have a good outing uh, last night. but He did, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, still, he he got a couple guys on there at the end of his outing, and and that's why he got pulled. And um, you know, I I think one of the things watching so many of these TCU games is that coach sometimes, you know, there's consistency with, hey, I want to get my guys out there on the mound, but then other times, you know, guys won't see the mound for what, like Jack Strager, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not an injury thing, and it's not necessary you know i don't know if it's a talent thing because we haven't seen him that much yeah you know it's 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 tough and i my guess would be that cam and vander high do find their way back in there realistically because that is their role on this team but you know i mean at at this point um that every game is make or break for this tcu team yeah it just seems like kirk doesn't trust a lot of guys and i mean he's he's got reason to um and that's a good call with all of it because even though he's had some rough outings it does feel like he pitches like multiple times every weekend i mean he's sort of the dude that kirk is like okay i know like ben's gonna come in here with that weird arm angle and at least you know give some guys fits um so he might be the 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 pitcher that could get them through a couple times through the lineup as you said I don't have an answer for this, Jacob, and I don't necessarily expect you to either, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the question. Big picture. My biggest concern for the program right now. uh, And I think it could be solved because they got some good young arms, but I I, I talked about earlier, it's like the third year in a row where we're sort of like in May, we're scrambling, trying to figure out, do we have more than one or two decent starting pitchers? Um, Your head coach is a longtime pitching coach. It just seems kind of strange. Like the pitching development has sort of fallen off. I know there's some outside factors there, like injury, whatever it might be. But I mean, do you have any feel for why they've just struggled so much lately to get consistency on the mound on a on a week in and week out basis? Well, you know, you did bring up that Sarlos was the pitching or he was the pitching coach for a yeah. long time. He's now the head coach. Uh, now it's Kyle Winkler who is kind of running the pitching. So I don't, you know, I, I'm not with the team. I don't know what's changed there. Um, I have a, a buddy who did work with the team in some capacity. And, um, you know, there may be a question of like, you know, how mechanics are being changed and things like that. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not in the building. Um, but, you know when you have a, a head coach who's a big pitching guy and his attention's being taken away and uh, he had had so much success previously, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's not spending enough time with them. If maybe there needs to be a new pitching coach brought in, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not the person to make any of those calls, but 
um, yeah, like you said, it, it's a recurring thing over years. And especially right now, you know, last night in the Rio Grande Valley game with runners on to relieve the starter, Braden Sloan coach brought in Calvin Marley, who has pitched in three games. Now he had pitched in two previously. His ERA was 81, which is uh, he gave up six runs and two thirds of an inning of official appearance. And I, I don't understand that move, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's tough to tell. Is, is it coaching? Is it players? Is it some combination? Uh, and obviously nobody gets in depth enough, you know, whenever Chuck's mm -hmm. like down in the dugout or whatever to really say one way or the other. But, you know, um, whenever I, I look at the, the most successful teams in the top 25, when the, the new week starts and I see their records of four and oh, three and one, four and one, five and oh, you know, and, and I go, man, TCU went one and three, they went oh yeah. and four and it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a it's a strange trend and i mean it's one of those things that i'm sure there's a lot of different factors at play uh turning to the hitting so curtis Byrne having a nice little go right now hit a home run to run rule that game last night elijah nunez seems like he's hitting up which heating up which is nice because i've kind of been searching for a leadoff hitter all year long um if those two guys get going how much does that help or could that help this offense moving forward jacob oh that makes a ton of difference because curtis Byrne is in your top nine best hitters and unfortunately him and carson bowen play the exact same position carson bowen's our outstanding freshman catcher uh both behind the plate and at bat and so having curtis Byrne going it's really good because you have a guy you could slot in at dh or on you know Tuesday or uh, whatever day you're going to spell Carson behind the plate, you have a good bat in the lineup for sure. Mm -hmm. So it's really important Curtis Byrne gets going. Um, and then of course the the downside is then you're you don't have a backup catcher really. the The emergency catcher right now is Brody Green, and the third string is pitcher Mason Speaker. Um, <laughs> so you know we got a guy coming in next year, but. Um, yeah, it's very important that Curtis Byrne gets going. He he had been hitting 216, I think, entering the last week. He's up to 248 now. Missed a bunch of time with the back injury, but you know he's got the power. He has the skills that you need at the plate, mm -hmm. and great to see him back doing well. He had a good game on Sunday against Texas too, and uh, I think his game on or sorry Monday against Texas, but he he did get a hit on. <laughs> That, that whole delayed weekend threw me off. Yeah, I bet um, it did. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, Elijah Nunez back at the top. That's where he started the year. Um, and Coach has been kind of changing the lineup a lot. So right. Austin Davis has hit up at the top. Mm -hmm. uh, he tried Braden Taylor there one time. And then Luke Boyers had it consistently throughout April. He was the leadoff hitter. And he was just having these games where he was going – 0 for 4, 0 for 5, and it would just keep going. And, and finally, he went hitless in the uh, the West Virginia series, and he, um, yeah, had, has just not been in the lineup since the West right. Virginia series. And uh, they put Logan Maxwell in at the DH spot, or sorry, in, in left field, because um, Curtis Byrne has taken the DH spot, but. Yeah, uh, when you really, I'd say TCU really only has nine hitters, so you got to have Burn in there. 
And you really need Elijah Nunez to be doing well with his speed. And of course he has the good defense too in center, which contributes a lot for the frogs. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, so we talked about the young dudes on the mound, Carson Bowen, Anthony Silva, that those guys are really good. They're fun to watch. I'm, I'm such a baseball expert. Look at me saying Anthony Silva is really good. Uh, great in-depth analysis by me. And I know there's some other dudes like Fisher Ingersoll who hasn't really hit a lot this year, but um, Silva and Bowen, those two guys, what do you like about their game? And again, Kirk did a really good job bringing in talent this offseason in, in that class, especially. Yeah, absolutely. So Silva, um, I mean, outstanding at the plate this year. Um, he missed a little bit of time early on in the season with, uh, I think it was a hamstring. And he came back and he struggled a little bit. But, I mean, he's just been incredible since bouncing back from that. He's hitting 366 on the year. Getting on base, Stephen, 46% of the time. It's not bad. Yeah. Pretty good clip. Not bad. He had been hitting like in the six to nine spot. And finally this weekend, coach moves him up to clean up. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's not the biggest power hitter in the world he he does have a couple of games where he hit multiple home runs but um cole fontanelle and brain taylor have really been the the power guys mm -hmm. uh silva he's got nine doubles which is uh let's see third on the team oh sorry fourth on the team there um dude just gets on base and then he has incredible defense at short too and like he's so young he's a freshman he's obviously a centerpiece of this team going forward and and that's really exciting um it, yeah it is he's been great go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off oh no you're good for for carson bowen um i mean Con connor talks about like just how polished he looks at the plate mm -hmm. uh when tc was struggling you know I, I think this was back in march carson bowen was like the best hitter for tcu just uh, I, Cole Fontenelle was getting a base a ton then, but Carson Bowen has just been an anchor in the the four, five, six spot all year. He's hitting three eighteen on the year, uh, getting on base thirty eight percent of the time. Um, he is five for five on stolen base attempts. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, he's incredible. Uh, he also brought in Luis Rodriguez, and I forget who the other player was from uh, that. Orange Hills, a cat. By the way, sorry if you can hear my angry dogs. Um, oh, no, that's okay. We're, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't remember who the other player was that came from Orange Hill um, or whatever it's called out in Anaheim, but mm -hmm. Carson Bowen's the ringleader. Um, a big fan of him and his game. He, he's incredible behind the plate, too. He's got an incredible arm there, and it, it's just exciting every day to, uh, to see those two guys in the lineup and knowing, hey, they're going to be here for another couple of seasons. No, it is. I mean, it's a huge source of optimism um, for the program right now, knowing that that they're going to be back. So, okay, let me ask you this, Jacob. If if we're playing optimistic role here, um, the team going on a run, what what would that look like? What needs to fall into place for TCU baseball to really turn this thing around in their last couple of Big 12 series and then into, uh, into the Big 12 tournament? I think it's got to be – more on the pitching side like if, if we're going to contrast batting and pitching um we really need the tcu pitching to shut opponents down hold them to like I, i'm not saying no runs four or five runs mm -hmm. and tcu is going to be okay so right now when you look at the big 12 uh overall standings tcu ranks 
fourth to sixth in most categories, but basically averages out to fifth. And in they're they're about the same in pitching too. They're, they're very middling in both categories, but it, they could score runs. They could put up seven, eight runs at a game. They could string together hits. Uh, they could have a couple of big innings. You know, we, we really saw that on. Um, Oh gosh, I forget which midweek game it was, but they put up like nine runs in an inning or something, just insane. Um, I I trust the bats, and I I believe that the three two game against Texas, although that is that was on a Sunday, that's the kind of game you got to win in postseason college baseball. Mm -hmm. But the pitching's got to be able to hold a team like Texas to two runs, and. I'd, I'd really like to see the pitching just kind of improve overall, especially we've talked about Sarlos being a, a pitching coach. Yeah. Um, there has to be consistency from the veterans and, and we can't just be relying on freshmen every, uh, you know, weekend to go out there and mm -hmm. get the job done. Um, but I, I do believe in the bats. I think if they keep doing what they're doing, TC will be okay. Pitching definitely needs to, uh, to shut opponents down just a, a little bit better than they've been doing overall in the year. Yeah, a lot of innings from freshmen this year, and I'm, I don't think that's the recipe they were, you know, kind of cooking up before the season started. Um, he is Jacob Davis. You can find him on Twitter at Jacob Film Guy. Also follow the account at the Film Magazine, which Jacob writes for. Jacob's an FTDM student, film, television, and digital media at TCU. And Jacob, tell the people if they if they hear KTCU, the, the radio station that you work for, and they're like, I don't know what that is. I want to listen to TCU baseball. Where can they find the games? Where can they listen to you and hear your work um, pre and post game and that coverage of TCU baseball? Yeah, you can hear that on 88.7, the choice, your choice for Horn Frogs baseball. And uh, I'm on my consistent day is Sunday, but once uh, the semester lets up, I'm pretty much doing every game. And then nice. we got Travis in for Saturdays. So nice. You can I love listen it. to us there. And our, our internet stream, of course, too. You can go to KTCU's website. And uh, there's a radio.net link you can click on. There is also the TCU mobile app if you want to download that. That's usually how I listen when I listen to Chuck and Connor uh, broadcast TCU baseball. Well, is, is that the Riff Ram app or is that different? Uh, so I think they're different. I hear people talk about the Riff Ram app. I don't know if it's like updated and mine just hasn't and that's the new name. But mine says TCU mobile when I, when I click on it. So okay. I don't know. Some alumni app. Who knows? Uh, I'm not, I'm not big and big in the app world, but that's Jacob Davis. He's here to talk TCU baseball. It's locked on Horn Frogs and uh, it's your team every day.